0: welcome back to the at the yard podcast really excited about today's guest we're going to shift gears a little bit i'm bringing in executive director and founder of the inglewood baseball fund eric aldridge on top of those things a good friend of mine personally which excites me more than anything and ea i gotta tell you you're the first non-college non-high school head coach or non-PBR employee to be on the At The Art podcast. So welcome in, buddy, Uh, excited to have you.
1: Oh no, this is great. Thank you for the honor, um, especially, you know, from you Les, one of San Diego's finest, Chula (laughs) Vista born and bred uh, as a UC San Diego alum, I've been down in that area quite a bit. And yeah, just happy to chop it up and talk about baseball, especially right at the start of the college baseball season.
0: Yeah, EA. You know, you and I, when we first launched PBR California, I came to you and I kind of presented to you this idea for this passion project of mine, and you know, basically, it's it was, hey, I want to give back in some capacity or another, uh, you know, and I we didn't know what that looked like in 2018 when we first talked about it. We had a little momentum into 2019, a little bit of a framework, you know. Then the world shuts down in 2020 on us, okay. but. Yeah, we we were able to pull off a, uh, you know, thanks in large part to your help, um, you know, a a pretty, pretty impressive kind of first showing with what we called the Opportunity
1: Series. Yeah, Les. So, you know, just to give some context, you know, about myself, so and and my baseball journey, you know, what led us to an opportunity like what we did this, you know, past weekend. You know, I'm a kid, grew up in Ingwood, California. Uh, right down the street from Darby Park, from for those of the, those folks who know the area. Uh, and sports meant a lot for me, you know, played Pop Warner football uh, in Inglewood, went on to prep at Sarah High School in Gardena, which has produced, you know, quite a few very talented athletes uh, in the football realm, but also in the baseball realm, especially recently with guys like Dominic Smith and Marcus Wilson. I then went on to play college baseball at UC San Diego. And, you know, as you very well know, and as your listeners know, there ain't a whole lot of black folks playing baseball at the collegiate level. And um, you know, baseball and sport meant a whole lot to me. You know, some of my best friends to this day come from the game. Uh, I just was down at UC San Diego playing in their annual Triton alumni golf tournament. So to be in those spaces and to meet those people. And now being a member of the UC San Diego Athletics Board of Directors, as well as the UC San Diego Alumni Board, you know I had to take a step back, pinch myself, and say, you know, these opportunities, when I was peel it all back, they're really because of the game of baseball. I'm not sure they would ask me to be a part of some of those groups if it were not for the game. And so as I look at it from the lens of playing the game, teaching the game, Coaching the game, uh, the opportunity component is big, and that's full circle. Bringing brought us to what we did, the opportunity series.
0: So let me ask you something. Yeah, what is it that led you to choose baseball, or did or did like in many cases, baseball choose you?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I played football and and baseball in high school. I played soccer as a kid. Played basketball. Um, at the local YMCA, but I think the main thing, especially for the point of our conversation Les, is, you know, there's this thing that Black kids don't like baseball; or they prefer basketball or what have you. And I tell people unequivocally that is just not true. Like when you're a kid, you know, when you're in elementary school, kids like to play ball, man. They like to compete, and baseball, you know, is one of the you know, most popular sports and, and favorite sports of a lot of kids. You know, there are so many things that take their interest now, you know, from from, you know, skateboarding to video games. But when you talk about the core sports, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, the kids, black kids in the community, black and they love the game. And so I picked baseball because I love the game. I love being out there with my friends, guys that I went to school with, guys that lived in my neighborhood in the avenues. Uh, And to this day, we talk about that. And even moving forward as a coach and coaching kids in this neighborhood, you know, while some of the numbers may be down, it ain't because the kids don't like to play the game. It's more so there are other factors that, uh, you know, just keep kids away from sport in general. So I always like to you know make sure i'm clear about that because i think the narrative around it is that you know kids in those communities just don't like baseball and i just really feel that's not true
0: yeah and that's something you and i have talked about quite a bit and we spent a lot of time talking about that at the event and you know why do you why do you think that is i mean because you know, I have, a, I have an idea. Uh, I'm, I'm not a, an African-American male. Uh, I am a Hispanic male, so I can get that perspective
1: mm-hmm. of it.
0: But, you know, from your perspective, you know, particularly with, you know, when talking about minority groups playing the game of baseball, you know, yep. the, the conversation always comes back to, well, you know, black kids just don't play baseball. Right. Um, and, and that bothered me and I know it bothers you and right. and I think that's kind of why you know we worked together to do what we did. But why do you think it is that you know the numbers of you know of, of black kids playing baseball, you, you know, are everywhere? I mean, right. from you know t ball through the yeah. big leagues. I mean, they're down, right? I mean, look, yeah. look when I when I was growing up, my favorite players were Tony Gwynn, Alan <laughs> yeah. Wiggins you know what I mean? You, you name it, right? Uh, you know, about Gary, Gary, Ga- Gary about Templeton, Gary Templeton, Gary Templeton right? Ozzy Smith. Uh, I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like those guys, those, yeah. those are the guys that, you know, as a, as a young, you know, Hispanic kid growing mm-hmm. up in San Diego, those are the guys that I wanted to be. Right. right. A- and, and I think that, you know, a lot of kids in my school, which, you know, we had a lot of kids where I grew up that, you know, Mexican, Asian, you know, black, you name it. We had a lot of nationalities and a lot of backgrounds. Sure. And those are the guys that we all wanted to be. So I'm curious to just hear your perspective on, you know, why do you think that is that there's this, you know, stigma? You you know, you said earlier sure. that this, uh, I can't remember the exact word you said earlier, but, you know, this notion or this stigma right. or this, right. I mean, I call it BS jargon. I call,
1: but I call it a narrative. I, I think it's a narrative. I think it's what you know, people hear right from the outlets, the media, the neighborhoods, barbershop talk, and people, you know, they get hypersensitive about these numbers. So I'm gonna talk about it from a from a macro level first, Les. So let's start with at the MLB level, right? And, you know, every April 15th is Jackie Robinson Day all across the country with the major league teams. And there's inevitably gonna be an article about, you know, how there's only 8% or 9% you know, black players in the MLB today, whereas, you know, you know, 75 or whatever year it was, the Pirates filled in all an all African American team, right? So let's just start at, use that as a starting point. I mean the reality is baseball, like basketball, like all sports, it's global now. You know, you know, back when we were growing up, there weren't as many Venezuelan players, there weren't as many players from Curacao from Korea, from, you know, Japan that are playing in the major league. So, with that said, as you know, PBR, you guys cover, you know, kids that play that come from Canada. There is a broader reach for the game. And with the broader reach, it's just going to be more talent. And with more talent, numbers across the board within every group are going to adjust and change. So, I think people have to like look at it that way. So, the question is, you know, The the goal isn't to get back to the 1975 numbers because, look, that's just not going to happen. Things move and and change and progress. The question really is, the kids that love the game, the kids that you saw a couple weekends ago, how do we keep them in the game, right? That's the challenge, and that's where we get into, you know, what the Opportunity Series was all about, the key word being opportunity, because as you know, If it's at 9% at the MLB level, it's at 4.5% last time I checked at the Division I college level, Mm -hmm. right? And if you're drafting 70% of the players from college, right, and it's only 4% are Black, well, that's a huge challenge right there. And then when you, as you know, when you dive into why, the college why, well, Les, if your son was a talented two-sport athlete in football and baseball, and there's a lot of guys like that. I just saw a, a video, of A.J. Brown, star, all-pro wide receiver, with the Titans taking some hacks, you know, in the cage on, on social media, him talking about how much he loved the game. But now, Les, if your son has an opportunity to go to, you know, a big-time college where your family's going to have to pay 50% of the load versus they go and play football where hundred percent of the load is. So if they never even make it to the pros, they have a full scholarship and they're not in debt. What road are you gonna take? Right. The, yeah, the answer's
0: easy, right? I mean easy you're gonna answer. take Yeah, the, the answer's easy. It's not about
1: and, love, it's about like what makes sense. Right. And 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 it, it doesn't
0: add up to me like you were talking about this narrative that you know you're you're right, because every Jack and Robinson day in April those articles come out and, you know, the media goes on their little high horse and talks about the dwindling numbers of African-American players, but they never address the college issue. They never address the, you know, the pony issue, the issues in pony, right. the issues in little league, uh, heck, even the the issues in, in travel baseball, right? right? I mean, you're spending all summer out, uh, out and about <laughs> playing in these tournaments and I'm curious to hear what those numbers are like and and how many teams you encounter that have multiple, not just one, but multiple African-American players on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, we all know finances, and and I think also, too, I'd like to see people stop picking on baseball. You know, I always like to ask people, when was the last time you had a great New York City point guard? There was a time you know, in this country, if you were in an ACC and you didn't have a New York City point guard, you weren't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, Kenny Anderson, uh, yeah. Kenny Marbury. Spend, yeah. uh, uh Stephon Marbury. Those guys didn't grow up in the Carolinas or Virginia. Those guys grew up in New York City. But I just think with all the sports, as things have evolved, you have people who are, you know, the sons of former NBA players, you know, kids who love the game, you know, like Giannis from from Greece and kids from South America who, you know, they have a talent, they have a passion. And so I, I just mentioned all that because I feel like people pick on baseball a little bit about ba- what baseball doesn't do versus taking a look at, like, again, we live in a global economy. We live in a, a global society. and And so opportunities are going to be afforded to the most talented people all across the board. Now, with that said... The, the issue of equity and making sure that the 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 playing field is fair for kids that want to get in, into it. you know, Les, I know you know stories and I definitely know stories of, you know, a kid goes to a college showcase. He by far is the better player, but the spot goes to a kid who can pay full ride because we gotta we gotta spend that money for pitchers. you know, there's some kids that you know and have scouted that you really like and you compare them to the kids who are maybe out of four-year school and you're like man this kid this kid can play right but and and you, then you look at the roster of, of said college and you're just like well you can't tell me that this kid not only can make this roster but could be a contributor mm-hmm. and so as parents kind of work through all of those those elements it's tough man it, it is really tough and, and that's what I want to try to bring to the table is, making sure that everyone understands, you know, it ain't about love of the game. It's about equity. It's about opportunity. And then look at some of these successful coaches, you know, like at Vandy, like Coach Backage at Michigan. Look at some of those people who've opened their eyes to, you know, the possibilities of recruiting a diverse roster. And look at the success those guys have having, you know, look at what they're doing down at the University of Texas and some of these other schools. And for each of those schools, there's the problem is for each of those schools who said like, hey, I'm going to find the best talent. There's 10 schools that just said, I'm just going to recruit the same guys because, you know, I know their parents, they're going to pay, you know, they've been paying for travel ball. So when I offer them, you know, 10% or like, hey, you come in as a preferred walk on, they're not going to blink. Uh, at those opportunities. Now, you know, economics uh, impacts everyone. You you don't have to be Black to be impacted by economics, right? It Mm -hmm. impacts everyone in America. So, you know, there are players, you know, that are impacted by the college system, irregardless of color. But disproportionately, uh, I think without having the numbers to back it up, it disproportionately uh, impacts black baseball players.
0: And I, and I want to go back to a point you mentioned there about the globalization of the game, right? Because you look at the DR, you look at, you know, all of these, Venezuela, you, you look mm-hmm. at, you know, all of these, these foreign countries mm-hmm. where Major League Baseball has not only made it a point to go in there, but they've, invested well the teams within major league baseball yeah. have invested millions upon millions upon millions yeah. of dollars to be in those areas building these academies you know some of them have multiple academies in in one country mm-hmm. where you know they're bringing in 12 13 14 year old kids mm-hmm. and trying to get them ready so that they can sign them at 15 or 16 you know i my mind can only Imagine what the possibilities would be like if they made that sort of investment here in the United States, right? And the opportunities that it would provide. Do you think that in an effort to globalize the game that Major League Baseball and its teams kind of put the minorities within the United States on the back burner?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think they are making some strides with some of the programming that they're doing now. But you got to remember, last there was a huge gap. There was a huge window where, you know, the things that they're doing with MLB Develops and USA Baseball, and some of those entities, you know, the Breakthrough Series, uh, some of those things that are happening now, it's great. And I, and I really love those things. I think they're, you're starting to see some real benefits for some of those programs. I know my son benefited from, those, from some of those programs. But there was a large gap, and you know this, be, be, between the... Decline mm-hmm. and nothing happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking probably like a 20-year span where there was really no effort, and all the effort was going down to these other countries because I think economically the teams look at it as you know cheaper labor. And um, one of the things I always like to talk about, you know, especially when you talk about the history of the Negro Leagues and you know the talented players that were. You know in those leagues and josh gibson and satchel page and all those guys um, you know at, there was a point in time in america for an african-american family where it was like oh just take the money that they give you and go play baseball right and and, and be happy with that but everyone evolves and you know i know for my family and for many fam- families uh, th- that's not going to be good enough. Like, you can't, like, we need an education. We need some commitment, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, to really elevate in life and in, in this country. And so, you know, just taking a plane ticket and, and a hope and a dream, that's just not good enough anymore. So once that became not the case, yeah, I think Major League Baseball went to other areas, you know, of the world where you could, you know, sell someone a hope and a dream and at a lesser price point, you know? And so it'd be great if they had a uh, a, a universal draft like they have in the NBA, right? Where you just take the best players when they turn whatever age they decide, 16, 18, whatever it is, and say, like, draft them all. And everyone is in, you know, equal merit, equal negotiating position when it comes to signing bonuses, etc. So those are just some of my my thoughts in in regards to like how things could be better and different.
0: Yeah. I want to, I want to ask you a question that, you know, and pardon me if I'm overstepping my boundaries here, but I think it's important to get your response to it. And that is, I hear a lot about, you know, yes, that kid is a good player. Uh, but academics aren't a priority. Mm-hmm. Um you know, yes, that kid is good, but that kid will be, fail. he'll flunk out of school the first semester. Right. Now, you're in a unique position in that you played baseball at UCSD, a fine academic institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, your son played baseball at Harvard, one of right. the finest academic institutions uh, globally, uh, not just in the, in the United
1: States. His only. mom is very smart. Me, <laughs> I taught him how to play catch. Hey, well,
0: you're smart too, because you married his mom. So, <laughs> you know, there's there, there's that too. but you you know like what what's your response to that because it's not you know it's it's not just the the african american athlete who you know maybe academics aren't the priority for there's there's look dude there's i go to about 200 games a year right high school games that's just yeah. during the high school season yeah. i can't tell you how many guys i come across like dude why is that guy not a division 1 commit oh cuz you know he could barely spell his name. He's yeah. a 2.0, and we right. had to help him be a 2.0. So, yeah. you know this narrative that, like you said, that you know you know these African American kids, they academics aren't a priority. Well, to me that's BS, right? And and I just wanted to get your take on that.
1: Yeah, I, I think look, you know, being a, a young person, being a teen in America is very challenging these days, mm-hmm. right? And and this is just not a sports conversation. This is just a life conversation. And athletes fall into that category, right? High school athletes fall into that category, where you know resources are are not what they used to be, you know, um, in certain school districts. Um, and when I say resources, I'm talking about you know academic college counseling, um, you know, tutoring, uh, mental health and wellness, psychologists on campus, all those types of things. They impact you know who a young person can become. So. The unfortunate thing is, like I, I tell our parents, you know, if your son happens to develop to be good enough to even have that opportunity, right? Like, because you have to be good. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a sport, right? You still yeah, need right. to be good at the game. If you happen to have enough God-given talent and worked hard enough to develop to that point, you know, you have to be able to take care of the other components. And unfortunately, I think baseball parents race aside um you know they get way too far over their skis about what's important um and the most important thing is developing a a young person that's that's independent and strong and and um working hard in in school and 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 when you flip-flop the the priority to the sport or to baseball and you don't take care of those other things well Inevitably, uh, they're going to crop up, and you're not going to be able to get into the school that you want to get into. While people have been telling you for years, you got to take care of the, take care of the books, and the first thing the coach is going to ask for is a transcript, and you act like that's not true. But even more so, less I would even say, even at the pro level, look, they're looking for athletes who can learn, right? Who can uh, adapt? Who can? Uh, uh, Take on concepts, you know. There, there's a, there's a, there's a brain component to all of this, and if they feel like you're not someone that can handle that, um, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a, a, a marker in the, in the process, you know. Yeah. I, I just, there's just, there's not, there's too many good baseball players for people to say like, hey, I'll just take you just because. And people really have to understand that and develop these young people in a way that you know academics isn't going to be a barrier for them. And if you know they have a learning situation, and which is a real thing, right, a learning disability, then you address those things, right? You don't do, you don't eye wash it. And you don't say, well, baseball is going to take care of it because he can throw ninety, right? You have to get in there and take care of those things because inevitably they're going to crop up at some point in time in their development in their career. And you're going to have to, you know, take care of them.
0: You got to have an aptitude, right? And, ap- and a- you have to have aptitude for the game of baseball, for learning because of the way baseball's going now, there's a lot of foreign concepts being thrown out, mm-hmm. right? Some work, <laughs> some don't work. Yeah, uh, You know, we saw a little bit of those just kind of with the data that we collect, right? I, I mean, for some of the guys that were there, it's like, holy smokes, what's that, right? Uh uh, and, and so you have to have an aptitude for learning or else it's going to catch up to you at yeah. some point, right? Whether it's in high school ball, college ball, pro ball, yeah. uh, you know, if you're not able to to put together a plan and, and, and attack it the way they, they want you to, uh, right. you know, it, it might be a, a short career. But, you know, with, with that, EA, let's shift gears to the yeah. opportunity series. Um, yeah. Like I mentioned at the top, man, this is, you were one of my first calls in 2018 when we launched and uh, you know, here we are in 2021 and, and we were finally able to, to pull this off. We had some momentum for last, for last year, you know, but unfortunately we all know what happened there, but, yep. um, you know, the opportunity series for me, uh, and I've shared this with you a number of times is was really important just given where, where I grew up and, and, the, and, uh, I, I won't say the lack of opportunity, but the lack of opportunity, right. Um, to, to kind of pursue a dream, if you will, or, or at the very least, uh, uh, have an opportunity to play it, uh, as often as, as I would have liked, um, you know, and for you, obviously, given your background and what you're doing with the Inglewood baseball fund, uh, to me, it was a, it was a natural call. It was natural for me to call you, yeah. um, you know, and, and so why don't you take us through, you know, kind of what the opportunity series, um, was uh, you know we called it the opportunity series because that's what we wanted to do right it was it was a free showcase we did for kids yep. um, to provide them an opportunity to see what lies ahead if you will yeah uh, and, and you know I, I won't steal the thunder here
1: from you but <laughs> uh, why don't you why don't you pick it up from there for us yeah so last I mean the key word is opportunity right and and then the other key word I like to use is inspire. Right, so our target uh, group were kids ages 13 to 15, so they're all in the 60-90 diamond, using minus three BB core, all kind of in, in the same uh, same boat there. But we also know, you know, data shows that's a drop-off point for a lot of athletes. But these are kids that we identify that really like to play the game. You know, how far they will go on it, we'll see. But the starting point is to give them. A platform to see where they are how they stand which you all were able to do through the workout through the metrics through their profile and then be able to track their progress for some it'll be it was a way for them to to really tap into their dreams and aspirations right because you know while you played in a tournament or whatever the case may be you know doing a showcase in many ways is like a sign that you've made it and You know a lot of kids either a don't have that opportunity or they get their first showcase opportunity so late in the game that they just they don't know how to perform Um, it's super foreign to them you know they're competing against a guy who's been to eight showcases you know that that's that's not equity right that's that's not the same and so it was the opportunity it was uh, the inspiring component for them to go out there and compete with their peers throughout LA and, um, and to look across the diamond and see other kids that look like them and then have people like Jeff Calhoun, the head coach at Biola and his staff, you know, at the division two level, just for those kids to be on a college campus and see, Hey, this is where, you know, these older guys play. Some of the guys on the team came and volunteered and helped. So it's all about inspiring them because you never know what will happen. What will spark a spark, you know, that flame, you know, in a young ball player that makes them say like, hey, I really want to, you know, give him my all in this game. And, you know, I really liken to to my career, you know, it wasn't that complex back in the day. Um, but the thing that got me to UC San Diego is I just really love the game. Why did I love the game? Because I, I my friends love the game and the kids in my community love the game and, and you know, and then you find out you're good, and and, you, and other people tell you you're good, but you do need validation. You need someone else to say that you can play, and then you need to rub elbows against with other people and other players to say like, oh, I'm as good as this guy, and then that's where that's where it all happens in my book list. You know, and 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 I certainly didn't mean to
0: leave out Calhoun there, right? Because Cali and his staff yeah. were were fantastic. Not only were they. They're, you know, providing some help with with what we were doing, but they were interacting with kids and they were, you know, obviously we use their facility, uh, you know, and, and I think just to touch on a point you made there, I, you know, for for a couple of those kids that I was just chatting with, you know, it was their first time on a college campus, yeah. right, uh, of any kind, right, whether it's, you know, USC <laughs> Division One right. or Division Two or, right. or you know, and, and and just kind of to see the look on some of their faces, like just kind of looking around. I mean, cause that field is pristine, right? It was in really right. good shape and
1: leaning over, you know, leaning over the rail in the dugout. Right. Like that's something that you see on TV. You know, you, you yeah. don't get that at the, you know, the tournaments that the kids play in, like they're in a dugout. Right. Like, right. Right. And just, that was it.
0: Yeah. I mean, just, just the experience as a whole, I think was, was, was pretty awesome for them. And, and, you know, one of the things that I, I closed with them was, you know, you're all here because you love the game. And, and if, and if you're not here because of that, then, you know, kind of, you need to ch- take a look at that. Right. And, and you touched on that, right. They, all they all love to play the game. And, and I'm wondering if, if, you know, the lack of opportunity um, has, has become to the point where it's just, it's disheartening for kids, yeah. right? Like, you know, I, I, I love baseball, but I, I can't find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Have you, and I mean, you've been running your program yeah. now 15 years. Right. Um, you've seen a lot of this transition in the last 15 years. Is that something that you're coming across?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think again, the frustration really lays around the college level less. It's it's, it is so complex. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, of course you got the, we call them the, you know, the one percenters, the no doubters, right. That are going to get all the offers. They have Mm -hmm. special tools, but for the, you know, the other 99% of the players, you know, it's putting together this complex puzzle. And so I I played and I had a son that played at the division one level. And I can tell you the process that my wife and I and our family had to go through for him Man, it was complex like and that's someone who played and who's around the game who's around executives who knows college coaches it's very complex so now you take that and you you give that hand that off to you know a single mom you hand that off to a a, a couple that that, that that they didn't play sports uh, you hand that off to you know a family that has other challenges beyond like you know trying to buy a new glove but you have a kid who really wants to play, and trying to figure out which event to go to, which showcase to go to, uh, which college camp to go to, how much is that going to cost? That's intimidating.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I've heard it. I've heard it from parents where it's, you know, I I had a dad tell me outright. He said, "Look, man," he says, "We set aside, you know, uh, you know." Fifty, hundred and fifty bucks a month, from January through you know July, and we do one summer tournament, right? Because it's that expensive. And 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 he said, you know what? He says I, I I bring three four loaves of bread, I bring you know two three jars of peanut butter, two three jars of jelly, as much fruit as I can you know bring, some cans of tuna, because. I mean, it is, it really is expensive, right? For a family to go to Arizona, much less further east, Right. go to Arizona for a week in a tournament so that their son can maybe get 10 at-bats and hope to spark the interest of a college coach while out there, right? You're talking gas, you're talking lodging, you're talking food, Yeah. you know, just for a father and a son, you're talking a couple
1: grand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that's the thing where hopefully with some of the things that MLB is doing, the things that PBR are doing, you know, and also the way you do it right to be able to get the information out to the coaches. I'm hopeful that all those things uh, help, uh, but more importantly, you know, I think, you know, I love the leadership that Coach Corbin down at Vanderbilt and Coach Backage at Michigan and other coaches how they're kind of picking up the mantle a little bit because they need to, at that level, uh, we we need, these athletes need people like that, the decision makers, to care a little bit more about how challenging it is for these kids, right? And, and understanding, like, you know, maybe we can, like, take another look at this kid or take another look at this recommendation because they're just not out there. I call them the under-recruited, right? People... Like, we know that they can do it. We, we've we seen them play. But, you know, in the game, you, you need to see a shortstop, you know, six, seven times before you make a decision. Well, you know, so I'm hoping that, to, you know, I never give up. I'm an eternal optimist in that regard, less in that all these things have a cumulative effect mm-hmm. and that we continue to, like, chip away at that negative narrative that kids don't like to play and coaches you know, even some coaches I know, and I know well at the college level, were like, "Well, Eric, you know, I don't ever see any see any kids." Well, you also have to go look for them a little bit too if you're interested, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know what the challenges are. Yeah, they're not going to pop up in your lap because they can't afford to go to your team camp. That's you know, four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. But if you're smart, like some of these coaches are, and t- putting a little bit more elbow grease into it they're they're getting the fruits right they're they're getting some really talented athletes um, and some really bright minds into their universities and uh, you know a lot of these players they're making a difference at the you know NCAA level and uh, you know so I salute those coaches who who are you know being open-minded um, and and really putting a little bit more effort into, like trying to make it happen, especially, you know, some of these big box schools that do have the budget, right, to be able to um, do a little bit more from the recruiting standpoint.
0: You know, and and we've talked a lot about college baseball and and the challenges there uh, for for anyone, you know, much less minority players. But it seems as though, and you've touched on this a little bit with what MLB is doing with the Breakthrough Series, which (laughs) I think personally is a fantastic thing. Um, and and I love looking through that roster to see who the local guys are every year, right? right? You know, it's just like who, who from SoCal is going to this, um, you, you know, but, but do you feel as though MLB as a result of that is, you know, now putting a greater emphasis on scouting to a deeper extent, uh, the African American player, uh, you know, you know, as well as I do locally here, there's, there's a lot of. Phenomenal, phenomenal scouts who are right. af- African American here, just yeah. in our area, right? L.A. Orange County, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know. Then you drip, dip down into San Diego, and there's a few more. Right. Uh, do you think that you know this is all intentional on ML, MLB's part, or it's something that just I, I, obviously the breakthrough series is intentional, right. right? But right. but I, I when I, I'm referring more to you know the hiring of African American scouts, the the deeper uh, scouting of African American players because if you go back to Dom, who you know obviously very yep. well, uh, there's been a run of you know African American players from Southern California that have been drafted, you yep. know, namely by two or three teams, but you know right. it's it's spread out a little bit more. Yep. Uh, do you think that is a uh, a direct intention of what MLB was trying to get out of this breakthrough series?
1: Yeah, well, I think yes. Um, but I also think that um, we know, kind of going back to our original premise, is that there's some kids out here who really play, right, mm-hmm. that really love the game, that have physical talent and love for the game, aptitude, things that you talked about. And so um, I think, yeah, and, and it was, you know, well overdue. You know, I think there was a large gap there where that was not happening for a lot of different reasons. Um some of it was just apathy. Some of it was, you know, excuses. So I'm glad to see, you know, everyone, especially those at the highest level, uh, like a major league baseball and the teams, you know, circle back and say, like, maybe we were missing because the whole thing of it, right, Les, is who are the best players that could potentially be great professional players? And when, you, when you're going through that, right, these barriers should not exist, right? The The USA baseball team shouldn't, it should represent USA.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Then baseball,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with these teams. So it, it's really refreshing to see these guys get these opportunities, which are well-deserved, start to close the gap of what I call like the post-Michael Jordan era, where it just like, it seemed like every, it was just like, you know, this again, I like to say a narrative more so than kids um, not not playing. But you know, I can't say that you know African American players probably fell behind a little bit during that time as well because it wasn't wasn't the attention placed on developing them. And so, uh, I love what we're doing with our program. There are other programs uh, around that start at the youth level and developing players and you know and, and just cultivating their love for the game and competing with the other sports, AAU basketball and seven on seven. And, you know, I love baseball. So my whole mantra is like, let's compete against those folks and, you know, make, make baseball fun and exciting for, for the kids who love the game.
0: Well, I'm glad you, you talked about that and brought that up because we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the awesome work that you guys are doing with the Inglewood baseball fund. Uh, So, you, you know, that's, I, I, I got to know you while your son was still at Harvard Westlake. And, and yep. so, you know, he's, he, he's a grown man now doing some phenomenal things in the game of baseball, which when you told me that the other day, I, yep. I was thrilled. <laughs> I was absolutely thrilled when you told me that. Um, you know, so, so so take us through kind of what led you to create the Englewood Baseball Fund. Um, you know, sure. I, I got a pretty good idea of what that answer is, but, you know, I want to hear it from you.
1: Yeah, so, so Lester Genesis actually started in 2007 and me and some other local coaches, like everyone, you know, we're at the at the youth level, Pony, Little League, and what have you in our community. And I always point to one thing that uh, helped us establish the LA Rockstars Baseball Club, which was started 15 years ago in 2007. And that was, we saw some of the kids from our area go to some of the high schools, specifically some of the better high schools, and get cut. These were kids that were like all-star level players at the local level, get cut. Hmm. And these kids were athletes, they could, they, could, they knew the game, but there was something missing. And it was that detail that only someone like myself and others who you know, played collegiately or pro- professionally could really add to these ball players game, right? You know, everything from the strategy, the decorum, the skill, the technique, and then creating an atmosphere where, you know, we can go play in some more competitive environments, right? Go down to Orange County, go to Valley, go to Empire. And so that was kind of like the spark of of why we start the, the, the travel ball component. And then from there over the next several years, it was really dialing into who we are. So, you know, you interface with these travel ball programs all the time. We've been 10U through 14U our entire 15 year um, existence. Uh, my thing is, man, that's where ball players are made. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's, you know, at those levels when they learn the proper skill, when they learn the proper technique, when they, you know, around coaches, love for the game, proper you know, way to play to get all those types of things. They happen at the at those levels. Um, you know, me spending time and our coaches spending time, you know, putting them on, on the field at the 16, 17, 18 level. Like at that point, like those guys can, they, they don't have it all down, but they, they kind of know how to play, right? Mm-hmm. And so we pride ourselves on really staying with our mission of working with that age group, that pre-high school group, and then our kids are all over the city playing at different high schools, helping coaches win baseball games, you know, whether it's Cobra City and the guys we have down there uh, over at Sarah High School and St. Bernard's. A couple kids have been at Harvard, Westlake and, uh, you know, uh, Notre Dame, like a hundred green, uh, you know, down in Milliken, Ali, who they want to see our championship last year is one of our guys, you, you know, all over you know, Southern California. And that was the goal. Is like, you know, how can we help these kids matriculate into whatever their school is, whatever pathway they want to go, um, and have them prepare to go in there and compete because we saw that gap. Our kids weren't able to go to those schools. They were just all coming back to the neighborhood with like excuses on why what happened, right? Like, you know, it was racism. It was, it was some some to me it was an excuse, right? They weren't you know, when you get cut, to me it's you're not good enough or you're not doing something right, and so now you look fast forward and you look at the success these kids are having. You know, we had Jalen McLaughlin out there at the, at the um, Opportunity Series, fantastic prep player, prepped at uh, Santa Monica High School, went on played at Nevada Reno and the University of Utah. Uh, you know, young guys like that who went to you know competitive high schools and and then were able to play at the collegiate level. It's really important to us. So that's that that component of it, Les. And then we said, how can we then take our success and make it and multiply it? And in 2015, we started the Inglewood Baseball Fund, and it's really been fantastic. We've sent four or five teams to Cooperstown now, again, from the inspirational standpoint. The kids, 100% of their money is fundraised from the community and their families, uh, and and donors and individuals. So, I mean, imagine again a kid from LA going to Cooperstown, right? And it not being a burden on their family. You know, how inspiring is that? The kids talk about it. My son didn't go; it's too expensive. We didn't have a mechanism to to fundraise and make those opportunities happen. We've since built a uh, $150,000 training center at Darby Park in Inglewood, which is you know in the shadows of SoFi Stadium, yeah, billion-dollar stadium and yeah. actually, my home park that I grew up in, you know, batting cages matter, right? That's a place where a, a dad can throw extra pitches to his kids. our coaches can get work. We have bullpens there, uh, mounds, et cetera. I mean these are things that neighborhoods need to have to develop successful players. You know, you have to have a batting you know facility and it's outside, it's free. it's you know, you know I need a membership to to hit. Um, so those are some things we're working on and then last but not least and i'll kind of stop with this point which is the last piece of the Ingwood baseball fund outside the player development of facilities is you know we want to see more people of color in the game of baseball uh on the field but also off the field you know baseball is a billion dollar industry there's a lot of people who've had great jobs me outside of baseball. I've worked in professional sports for 25 years, you know with the Lakers and the Dodgers uh, and, and AEG and it, it's fantastic. It's a wonderful career. And there's jobs in accounting, marketing, sales, social media, uh, front office, you know, baseball operations wouldn't it be great to see more diversity in those areas from kids who love the game? So maybe they weren't able to make it, make pro ball, but because they went to college uh, and, and continued their love for the game that they could then be working in these spaces the rest of their life. Um, It's a pretty freaking cool job. And I think, you know, our goal with the English baseball fund is to, you know, again, stay in contact with these young men, stay in contact with these scouts and coaches and everyone and like, create some opportunities through there and, and push kids that way because, like I said, they love the game. So why not love it, you know, and get paid for it the rest of your life? And we want to champion that as well.
0: Yeah, ultimately it's it's about it's a, ultimately it's about a kid having an opportunity, right? That's why yeah. when we were brainstorming a name for this and you threw yeah. out Opportunity Series. <laughs> I mean, I, I almost started crying, man. <laughs> it was, yeah, I yeah, said, man. EA, I said, EA, EA. That, that that's perfect, man. I said, you know, that's the PR in you, right? It's the PR <laughs> guy in you. But, but uh, you know, EA. I, 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 we could talk about this yeah. stuff for hours on end, and and it seemed like we did that Saturday over at Biola. But, yeah. uh, you, you know, I, I can't from from the bottom of my heart. I, I, honest to God, EA. Um, and I, I said this to you a little bit that Saturday at Biola, but a heartfelt thank you. Like, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this, Um, you know, allowing me to indirectly touch the lives of some of these children, Um, you know, many of whom that were there uh, we're going to be following for the next four or five years because there were (laughs) some good players there, very good players there. And, and, you know, so again, man, from from the bottom of my heart, you know how much this meant to me. You've known that for several
1: years. Um, You know, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. You're very welcome, Les. Happy to be the first non-college uh, pro high school <laughs> guest. Uh, definitely a you know one to be a forever champion for the game. Again, it's done so much for me uh, in my life, and just here to be an advocate for for all things baseball for everyone. Awesome, yeah. You, you're great to have on, man. I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you, Les.
0: I'd like to thank Eric Aldridge of the Inglewood Baseball Fund for joining me on the podcast today. Be sure to check out PrepBaseballReport.com for all your news, rankings, and event information. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard.